Welcome to the Miranda Rights Podcast. I'm Crystal. I'm Vanessa. We're We're the the Miranda Miranda Sisters. Sisters. We're just two sisters who love to talk about true crime and give our ill-equipped opinions. Yay! Pretty good. We had to do like three takes on that one. I know. (laughs) Embarrassing. Okay. Um... So, this is a sequel. Yes, <laughs> to part one of the ep- we 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 finally decided on a name for this series, right? Yes. Okay. And we are calling it the Epstein Chronicles, part one, part two. There's it's a four part series. So, this is we're on our second one. Just in case you didn't know. <laughs> oh yeah. We're drinking wine. Go ahead. Canned wine. Canned wine. Thanks, Georgia. You're the one who <laughs> recommended it. Yes, queen. <laughs> Georgia from um, My Favorite Murder. Yeah. So anyway, um, how was your Christmas? I mean, I know how your Christmas was, but they don't know. <laughs> but to our zero listeners. Yeah, but to our zero <laughs> listeners. <laughs> how was your Christmas? How was your Christmas? <laughs> How was it? Mine was good. It was really quiet and relaxing. I liked it so much. Really? I didn't do anything. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't do anything this year either because usually like I have a dinner, huh? And then I'm like running yeah. around like a crazy person. Yeah. Christmas Eve went to dad, so that was pretty cool. Yeah. Just stayed there most of the day. And then... I, I didn't even go to dad. Sorry, dad. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, dad. <laughs> Oopsie. Oopsie. <laughs> And then Christmas Day. Yeah, I just stayed all day at Mom's house. That was nice. Yeah, so Christmas Eve, I didn't do anything. I just stayed here all day. And then, um, what did I do at night? Oh, the kids, well, Avery made cookies. And then um, Avery and Madison made gingerbread houses. I saw that. That was cute. I saw it on Snap. Oh, yeah. That was really cute. And then, um, so then we went to bed. Avery wouldn't go to bed. She and what time was it when she fell asleep? Probably like almost one. Yeah, it was it was late. Yeah. And then um, she finally went to bed, and I finally wrapped presents that night. All freaking late ass because I'm usually late for everything. <clears throat> we stayed up till four talking on the phone. Yep. Then we <laughs> stayed up till four in the morning talking on the phone. And then I woke up at seven and started getting ready for the day. Then we went to mom's to my mom's our mom's, and then. Been there most of the day. So it was pretty chill. Yeah, it was nice. Happy Kwanzaa for our Jewish listeners. <laughs> our zero Jewish listeners. <laughs> Hopefully there'll be more. <laughs> yes. Um, so anyways, so this is going to be kind of a long segment because there's a lot of stuff to cover. <clears throat> I was hoping that this would be... Um, just a three-part series that's not gonna happen so bear with me please um so before we go on i have to give credit where credit's due mm-hmm. i don't want to get sued we don't want to get sued yes we don't want to get sued we don't have any money <laughs> <We're broke bitches. laughs> oh uh really quick what does i get you who sala yeah who fuck that people <laughs> Um, he got me... Was he good to you? That's what I wanted to ask. Was he good to you? Well, not as good as I wanted, but he was good enough. (laughs) (laughs) 
just like a man. Just kidding. Just kidding. I've <laughs> been on any of them. <laughs> okay. So, um, what was I saying? Oh, yeah. So, I have to give credit where credit's due. So, I wanted to give a shout out to the, the podcast, The Mysterious Mr. Epstein by Wondery. Um, they go into a lot of detail. Okay. And, um, but it's weird because like, anyway, and then the other podcast that I'm listening to is called, <coughs> oh, sorry. That was Bonte. Sorry, that was Montreal. <laughs> he has a cough. Montreal, my sister's baby. She the has baby. dogs and they're her babies. Um, so the other one is Broken. Jeffrey Epstein, and that's by Three Uncanny Four, um, and that they're going off of what Julie K. Brown, the investigative reporter or journalist, mm-hmm. her piece that she wrote for the Miami Herald. So those two podcasts are really good if you guys want to listen to them and get a more um, professional point of view than our freaking shit show over here. Yeah, <laughs> than our backdoor Billy. <laughs> Circus Mickey Mouse operation. Yeah. <laughs> For real. Um, yeah, they're really good podcasts. But anyways, I got my all of my information from those two, and I had to like. It's hard because like one pod, one podcast will have something that the other one won't, and that's kind of like how I piece together all this stuff. <clears throat> so anyway, so just to recap on last week's episode. We talked about Epstein's rise to millionaire status, mm-hmm. right? Please feel free to interrupt and give your thoughts and comments mm-hmm. from the peanut gallery. Okay. We also talked about how he... Oh, sorry. We talked about Epstein's rise to millionaire status, how he talked his way into the heart of Ace Greenberg, mm-hmm. who is the chairman of the executive committee for Bear Stearns while working for Dalton, the prestigious private school where Ace's son attended. He left Dalton, went to work for Bear Stearns for four years and left in 1981. That same year, he eluded charges from the SEC, and if you don't know what that is, it's Security and Exchange Commissions, in regard to insider trading for a mineral company. Then from 1981 to 1986, he was basically a freelance financier. Jesus. I know it's all fancy. It's a fancy word. (laughs) For some international uh, big wigs and shady ass motherfuckers. Oh, wait. Oh, yeah. He was basically a freelance financier for some international big wigs and shady ass people he met, presumably while working for Bear Stearns. So, Bear Stearns is like um, it's a bank, it's an international bank bank basically it's a wall street thing Mm -hmm. so i'm sure they had a lot of clients internationally because they were they like sorry excuse me they were um they had a lot of money going at their peak i don't know how much but it was a lot way more than i can count probably (laughs) (laughs) and so i'm sure he met a lot of people from there um or he networked Mm mm-hmm in 1986, he was introduced to Stephen Hoffenberg, the head of, finan- of Towers Financial, through one of his shady-ass clients, known only as the upstanding international arms dealer, Khashoggi. 
Now, I'm being sarcastic because I know he's not an upstanding person. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, After that initial meeting, Epstein and Hoffenberg together created one of of the biggest Ponzi schemes of all time. And also committed insurance fraud. Because I guess it wasn't enough for them to steal all of people's life savings. Oh, no. That's (laughs) never enough. (laughs) Um... It is presumed during that time was when he gained the foundation for his wealth. This elaborate and well thought out plan to scam money off of a lot of vulnerable people profited J.E. hundreds of millions of dollars. So, on with the goddamn show. We're gonna, that was the recap. Are you hot? No. I was just these mutts to bed. Uh-huh. I got you. Okay. Are you guys comfortable? Yeah. They're like, shut up, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. We're going down. We're going down. I always feel like I have something in my throat when I I'm like talking. Too. Do you really? Well, do I have an itch in my throat, so excuse me if I'm like hacking in the background. Go <laughs> ahead. <clears throat> So we now know from 1986 to 1990-ish is when he's in it big with Hoffenberg. So sometime in the late 80s, he's flying first class from New York to Palm Beach. Now we know that J.E. was making money from Towers Financial. Mm-hmm. But I think he got like some kind of rush knowing he could deceive people. The reason I say this is because this motherfucker goes and counterfeits stickers to upgrade his tickets to first class. I didn't know you could do that. What? <laughs> I am I am so fucking poor. I didn't yeah. know. Like, don't, I mean, I'm sure it's not like that now. Yeah. But obviously, because we're like in the freaking, it's not 1980s anymore. Mm-hmm. We're babies then. Of course. <laughs> so, <laughs> I did not know that's how they distinguish first class from coach. Wow. Anyway. He's making money, but maybe it's not enough for his taste. Or maybe he's just a tight-ass motherfucker who squeaks when he walks. (laughs) And refused to fork out first-class money. He is a financial advisor. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. (laughs) He's like, fuck these people. Um, Why pay to sit in first-class when you can just use counterfeit stickers? Absolutely. (laughs) Save a couple hundred bucks there. I don't know. You have to remember that this was like... Something before frequent frequent flyers was like a thing because I didn't have that back then, huh? I don't think so. I think it was just like something new, huh? Yeah. Or maybe he really couldn't afford first class because according to Hoffenberg, he lived a champagne lifestyle on a beer budget. I'm paraphrasing. He he did not say exactly those words, but mm-hmm. that's basically what he said. So, anyways, it's during this flight when he meets a gentleman by the name of Robert Meister. Now, Robbie, that's my nickname for this guy. I give everybody nicknames. So, Robbie is vice chairman for a large insurance company called Aon. And one of his biggest clients is no other than Les Wexner. So, Robbie and J.E. strike up a conversation and end up talking the entire flight. Robbie finds J.E. intriguing and charming. And he takes a liking to him. But my question is, like, how does a guy find another guy charming? I was just going to say, is he gay? 
No, I don't think so. It doesn't say. I mean, I don't know. Case. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I need more power. Robbie, if you're judge. listening to this, we're not judging you. Yes, we don't judge. <laughs> um, now, I don't know exactly when, but it's sometime in 1989 when Wexner starts confiding in Robbie that he's having trouble with the people who are managing his money. It appears he can no longer trust them with his fortune. Robbie then remembers his intriguing friend from the plane. I'm sure they, like, I'm thinking they swapped, like, business cards or something. Because, I mean, back then, you couldn't, like, Google search somebody or whatever, right? right? And he calls up good old J.E. I'm I'm sure he built himself up to Robbie as being this self-proclaimed financier genius. Anyways, Robbie introduces the two, Lesson J.E., J-E, not Jay-Z or G-E. <laughs> I'm sorry, my braces are... I can't deal with them. But anyways, and soon enough, they start working together. Wexner at this time is in his early 50s. Now, according to Les's friends, he's a lonely man who is pretty much isolated from normal society and pretty much the world in general because of how rich he is. <sighs> Guess it's lonely at the top. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't know. Probably will never be there. I just don't understand why this is an issue. <laughs> <clears throat> right? I'll never understand it. Anyways, he's married too. So how the fuck does he feel isolated? Like he has a fucking wife. That yeah, I'm I sure that I would nags. <laughs> well, I... <laughs> if I was that rich, I'd be like, sorry, you gotta go shopping. <laughs> but I mean, like, event. I mean, there's times, right, where they have to interact, right? I would not think she has a Sancho. Wow. I mean, people have Sanchos and they still interact with their husbands. I mean, <laughs> that's if we're poor. <laughs> if you're rich, you don't have to do that. Yeah, if you're rich, you don't have to do that. You like paying people to deal with your husband for you. <laughs> well, then why would... I mean, I would be like... I mean, pay, why not? I would pay somebody to fucking be like... To go give him like... um I don't know, like, pay somebody to fucking get, keep him out of my way, right? I would think. That's probably why he's lonely. Oh, <laughs> true. <laughs> so once Epstein enters the picture, he slowly starts to infiltrate his way into every part of Les's life. <clears throat> Soon enough, he's the only one who's in this man's inner circle. He's so involved that he's the only one who speaks for him and even takes the place of this guy's own fucking mother. Oh, Swear to God, on the board of his charitable thing. foundation. He takes wow. the place of this guy's fucking mom. Oh my God, he's got issues. <sighs> anyway, so she, I guess she was on the board of his, I, I know I said that like three times, but he has like a charitable foundation and she was somehow on there. I don't know. Okay. Anyway. After a while, Les's friends, down to his staff, are skeptical and start speculating on what the fuck their actual relationship is. There are rumors going around, but no one really knows or has any idea of who this guy really is or where he came from. Nevertheless, J.E. successfully positions himself into all areas of Les's life over a short period of time. So much so, listen to this, that on July, on July 31st, 1991... Wexner signs over power of attorney and grants J.E. to act on his behalf in terms of pretty much everything. Like, he just hands him over the keys. Well, he hands him over fucking everything, like, yeah. to his empire. Like, he built up all this. Wow. How come nobody does that for me? 
Likewise. <laughs> like, I what mean, the first fuck? Of all, I don't know anybody that has an empire. <laughs> if I did, <laughs> neither do I. They probably wouldn't. But I can't even. Like, what the hell? I know. These people are good. They're, They're good. good. They need to teach a class. Yeah, they do. How to scam people. <laughs> I want to learn how to scam people. I, okay, well, yeah. Me too. I really, I mean, we don't really want to, but. Yeah. Yes, we do. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, we wouldn't mind if somebody just, you know, gave us a few pointers. <laughs> <clears throat> um. So, <laughs> so, anyways, he pretty much gives them, like, he has power of attorney and he has like, he acts on his behalf for everything like stock purchases, real estate. Sorry, that's my computer. It's going off. Um, stock purchases, real estate, transactions, loans, and in everything you could imagine. All without Wexner's supervision or consent. What the fuck is going on? So this is when he goes from being a multimillionaire to a billionaire. At the same time, all this other bullshit is going on. Wexner has this idea to develop a community of luxurious homes, which includes a business center and country club to accommodate his friends and associates. This community is located outside of Columbus, Ohio. Les names his new paradise, New Albany. Uh, J.E., of course, is behind the scenes creating up all these shell companies to buy up all this land, right? Mm -hmm. The reason for the shell companies is because he doesn't want to draw too much attention because then it'll raise the price of the land. <clears throat> They're basically buying up, like, farmland, okay. like cornfields and shit, right? Mm -hmm. um, Les also hires the local sheriff's office as his own personal security to patrol the area of that place. Yeah. Wow. What's fucking money to do that? Yeah. Both Wexner and J.E. build themselves new homes in this community. Mm -hmm. I don't really know how much Les paid for his home or his mansion, but I know, but I know J.E. Um, I lost it. Oh, I know like, but I know J.E. got a sweet deal on his home and he pays like $3.5 million on his house, on that house. He sells it later on for like way more than that. Wow. Like, way more than that. Um, I mean, I don't really... What is that? A Reese's. An old Reese's. Oh, my God. This is from Avery. Voodoo found <laughs> under your furniture somewhere. <laughs> oh, my Avery God. Avery probably left it. <laughs> Go ahead. Avery likes to hide her shit under my furniture. Either that or it was Maddie. Maddie does weird shit like that. <laughs> okay. So anyways, if that's a good deal on a house, I would hate to see what the real price is. For real. Either way, he like makes like a lot of money. When he sells that house, he makes like a shit ton. Way more than what he paid for it. Uh-huh. He gets a sweet deal. Um, the mansion includes 23 rooms, a pool, and a bathhouse. Now remember this house because it plays a crucial role in this story. In, in this story. Mm -hmm. Pay attention. It's going to be a test. Okay. My dad always says that. Um, in 1996, Epstein somehow acquires from Wexner a seven-story, 21,000 square foot, square feet or square foot? It doesn't matter. I'm not a fucking contractor. Yeah. Goddamn. Square feet. Square feet. <laughs> it's 21,000 square feet. Located in Manhattan. J.E. says he bought, J.E. tells everybody he bought this house off of Wexner. 
But there's nothing to back up his claims or to ver verify or validate that he did buy it. Mm -hmm. He just kind of like bums it and like kind of like moves in and takes over. Mm -hmm. What a fucking loser. You loser like your father. Well, I wish I could just bum it and take over somewhere's house. Somebody's I know. House. Somebody's freaking seven-story mansion. Yeah. Anyway, as soon as, he, as soon as he comes into possession of this townhouse, he starts spending millions of dollars on renovations and installs a video and recording system throughout every room in the fucking house. Even in the toilets. No fucking joke. He fucking has cameras in the toilets. Wow, so you can see that booty. That's... That's what I heard. I mean, I don't know. I wasn't there to, like, witness. I mean, I wish I was. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyways. Now, this video and recording system is from what I believe. No one has said this, but I'm going to fucking say it. I believe it to be his insurance policy. I'm sure you catch my drift. Because this is where he hosted, like, those extremely lavish parties. Like, dinner parties, sex parties. Like, yeah. Promo parties. Chomo parties, yes. I mean, <laughs> well, that's what I meant when I meant, when I said sex. But it's like he calls them sex parties, but yes, they're chomo they're parties. Freaking pedophile parties. Exactly, pedophile parties. Disgusting. Um, and he invites a lot of high-profile people there. Pedophiles. Other pedophiles. Wait, how did they say? Um. Anyway, it doesn't matter. So anyways, he hires a lot of high pro he invites a lot of high profile people there. We'll get into that a little later. He also buys a 10,000 acre Diez Milacres. <laughs> Diez Milacres. Low, that's for you. <laughs> Lovely, low. La Florecita. La Florecita. Low, you know, you know what I mean when I say that. Veinte acres. <laughs> it's an inside joke between my sis my uh, sister's best friend and I. <laughs> And he's like, he's like another sister to us. Yes, hey, Lo. Yes, queen. <laughs> Anyways, he buys a 10,000 acre ranch in Santa Fe, New Mexico. Wow. We'll get into that later, too. Mm. Okay, so this next part of the story is going to throw some people off. But trust me, it'll all start to make sense. So bear with me. Okay. <clears throat> in November of 1991, millionaire Robert Maxwell... Falls to his death off the deck of his yacht. <laughs> yeah. Is that the guy that he met on the plane? No, no. that's Robbie. That's Robert Meister. Oh, okay. This is Robert Maxwell. Good. Oh, Good job, though, because okay. I would have never thought, like, is that the same guy? Yeah. Kind of no. Like the same. Okay. Robbie Meister is the guy he meets on the plane. Mm -hmm. That's the one who has big, that's the one who introduces him to Wexner. <clears throat> but Robert Maxwell is from the UK. Okay. He's a totally different guy. Okay. Totally different millionaire. Oh, wonderful. I know. A fisherman finds his naked body floating in the ocean off the Spanish Canary Islands. Now, if you don't know where the Spanish Canary Islands are, I'm about to fucking tell you. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> Never been. So, it's nowhere near fucking Spain. <laughs> I don't know why it's called that. They're located off the west coast of Africa in the Atlantic Ocean near Sahara and Morocco. Oh, yeah. I know exactly where that's at. <laughs> <laughs> I know, yeah, I so, like, you know there. where Africa is, right? <laughs> like, the yeah. continent of Africa. So, you know how it kind of... You guys can't see, so I'm going to just describe it to my sister. But you know how Africa goes like this and then it goes kind of, like, down? Uh -huh. It's, like, right here on that cusp where it kind of, okay. like, sticks out. Uh -huh. That's where Morocco and Sahara are. Oh, okay. 
Well, good for them. I didn't know. I had to look it up because I didn't know where it was either. <clears throat> Voodoo's like on one tonight. Huh, Voodoo? I know. I should put her sweater back on. No, it's okay. She's fine. She's like so hyper. I've never seen her this hyper before. Because she had her sweater on. Oh. And I took it off. She's she hates off. clothes. Yeah. <clears throat> so anyways, they should have named it the African Canary Islands, but whatever. For real. Whatever. So, Robert has been compared to Trump. What <laughs> <laughs> and I love the all the gifts that they, yes. <laughs> they have for him. He's so stupid. His stupid ass faces. For real. <laughs> I'm not very political. I just, I'm not at all. Neither am I. And I don't, like, people get so upset when other people talk about Trump. And then, like, Clinton and Obama and... Yeah. But I don't, I think they're all liars. To me, they're all liars. They're all in it for themselves. Like, they don't give a shit about us little people mm-hmm. who struggle and can't fucking make rent. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> kind of. Anyway, so they compare him Trump to Trump because he behaves and acts just like him. Like, he just doesn't give a damn. Mm-hmm. So, um, he lived his life that way. He ran a publishing company in the UK and won a seat in British Parliament because of that whatever wow. thing he had. I don't. What does that even mean? I didn't. I didn't look it up. Sorry. A yeah, a British Parliament seat. I don't even know what that means. I know. I don't either. So if somebody wants to like look it up and let us know, we greatly appreciate it. To our zero listeners, <laughs> all zero of you. All zero. <laughs> Email us. Because I don't remember what's the email. I always forget the that damn rights 2019 at gmail.com. That's what it is. That one. Listen to her. <laughs> anyway. Um, so anyways, now his death is up for debate. Because, so some say he committed suicide. Some say he fell. And others say he was murdered. Mm. So this motherfucker was into to some shady fucking shit. What kind of shady shit you ask? Well, let me tell you. Of course. <laughs> I'm ready. I promise this all pertains to the story of J.E. He committed fraud and had stolen more than $500 million from his employees' pension funds to keep his business going. <laughs> and his business was? The the thing, the... What was that? <laughs> it's my own fucking shit and I don't even, I don't even know. Oh, a publishing group. Oh. He ran a publishing group. Which is like what? Publishing like... I guess like and books and stuff. Oh, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so anyways, um, then after his death, Robert's butler blows the fucking whistle and tells BBC that his former boss had an after lunch tradition. Sorry, I have like a freaking... Um, li- I have a speech impediment. So I can't say lunch or tradition right. Anyway. So he had an after lunch tradition. Where he would send for a young girl, no age was given, but going off of how others refer to J.E. liking young girls, I'm using air quotes, I think it's safe to assume that they were all underage. Okay. Does it? He, the butler doesn't say <clears throat> like they were underage. He just says that he would send for a young girl. Um, so once the girls arrived, they were taken to his sitting room. What the fuck is that? Is that a living room? Like a waiting room. Like oh. a lobby. At the like a doctor's office. A sitting room. That's a lobby. Exactly. Not a sitting room. 
It is a sitting room if you're rich. Well, my, <laughs> if you're rich and you have like $500 million that you stole from all kinds of people, it's considered a sitting room. I'm just I thought a sitting room was like kind of like a, um, like you know how you have two living rooms? Yeah, like a den or something yeah, like that. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's a, okay, so that's what it is, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, that's what you mean. Okay, so anyway, Maxwell would then lock the door from the inside. Of this sitting room. Mm-hmm. I'm sure he hated interruptions. <laughs> what is it with old guys and these young girls? I don't get it. I mean, I'm not hating. I'm just asking. I mean, if there's a young guy that wants to pick me up. I'm not young, but... <laughs> <laughs> That's I mean, I'm, I'm younger. <laughs> like, yeah, like, I'm younger than him. Like, what's wrong with me? <laughs> I have four kids. You <laughs> <laughs> sound like a man. <laughs> That's probably a problem. <laughs> no. That would probably be an issue. <laughs> and I think it's safe to say that whatever went on behind that door would ma- would more than likely make us blush. And that's hard to do, right? I mean, <laughs> he doesn't. I, I want to know details. The butler doesn't go into details, but uh, he does mention that his boss would send thank you gifts to these girls in the form of jewelry. Like not payment? Yeah, just not jewelry. payment. Just, I mean, I don't know. He might have given them payments, but from what the butler knows, it's jewelry. <clears throat> And I mean, who knows? Maybe he was sending them like really expensive jewelry and then they were like pawning it. I don't fucking know. That's what I would do. I'd be like, fuck you. Pawn that shit. Well, I wouldn't pawn it because then they wouldn't give you a lot of money for that, huh? I know. That's what I was going to say. I would sell it to Um, like the highest bidder. Yes. So anyways, all of this came out after his death, Mm -hmm. just in case y'all were wondering. None of this, nobody knew none of this until after he died. Of course not. Yeah. So... That's when all this shit came, comes out. <clears throat> so, the reason I'm giving you a little background on good old Robert Maxwell is because he is no other than Ghislaine Maxwell's father. Okay, so let me tell you a little bit about Ghislaine. She is no other than J.E.'s partner in crime. Mm, that dirty bitch. And I mean that in a literal sense. Yes, queen. I also wanted you guys to be able to com- <clears throat> to comprehend how considerably similar... Her father and J.E.'s background are. So, it's insane. Like, I mean, they are practically, they practically mirror each other. Mm-hmm. Their backgrounds, like everything from, I swear to God, like, I'm going to tell you right now. Hold on. It, like, seriously baffles me. From their Jewish descent. Sorry, Jews. Nothing against you guys. I know. Everybody does shady shit. Don't take offense to it. Exactly. Every race and every religion and every fucking whatever. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, their childhood upbringing, as far as finances go, are the same. How they got their wealth. I mean, I think I don't think Robert swindled a lot of people out of money mm-hmm. per se. I mean, he did, you know, like once, like his business. I don't know. He still was doing shady shit financially. Mm-hmm. Their criminal behavior, because obviously the girls, it was. You know, Robert Maxwell was sent for young girls and J.E. liked young girls. Yeah, they're fucking pedophiles. <clears throat> you know what they say? Birds of a feather flock, flock together. together. <laughs> <laughs> I mean. Um, and even all the way to like their untimely device. Demise. Sorry, I said device. I meant demise. Oh, okay. <laughs> because like. So her dad, like they don't even know like. How her dad, like, they can't even say he committed suicide or mm-hmm. he was murdered or he fell. Like, nobody knows what happened, right? Mm-hmm. And, like, everything that went on with 
J.E. and his death. Mm-hmm. Untimely demise. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway. Um, I don't believe in coincidences, but I swear to God, this is like out of a storybook. Anyways, let's talk a little bit about her upbringing and how she fits in as another puzzle piece to J.E.'s life. Okay. Elaine is believed to be her father's favorite child because he named his yacht after her. Lady Delane. Mm-hmm. He was probably finger banging her asshole or some shit like I that. Thought when she the was younger. same thing. I mean, no offense to people that are, yeah, like, know, like molested or anything like that. But I mean, what the hell? No, yeah, people that like have been sexually yeah. abused or whatever. Nothing against you, but it, it's it like I thought the same thing because I was like, well, that's kind of odd. Like, why her? Right? Yeah, that's favoritism. For a reason. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah, that's like... I mean, that's immediately what I thought. Yeah, that's what I thought too when I when I heard that. But anyway, she was the baby of nine kids. Mm. Nine fucking kids. And grew up in a 53-room mansion. Who lives like that? Yeah, 53 rooms. Nobody's going to hear her scream. Oh my God, that's awful. I know. But, I mean, he was. Yeah. A pedophile. pedophile. Yeah. I mean, there's okay, so we don't get sued. <laughs> yeah, please there's, don't sue us. There's no concrete evidence of that that he was a pedophile. It's just all speculation. Oh, okay, well, I mean, he probably is if he's hanging around that guy, well, J. E. No, he wasn't. Oh, he, he wasn't. No, he wasn't. Oh, I'm, okay. I was just like, I'm just talking about Ghislaine's past Background. and how, okay. yeah, and how like J. E.'s life and her dad's life mirror each, each other. other. Okay. It's like. A fucking mirror. Like, mm-hmm. I, if, if you're, like, if I'm in the fucking mirror, looking at myself. That's it. Mm-hmm. To me, that's how. But maybe that's why she was attracted to That's, him. oh my God, that's exactly what I thought. Because I'm like, that has to be some kind of psychological, psychological fucking yeah. something. Well, you know what they say. Burn some of Burn some of together. <laughs> well, not just that. But, I mean, when they say, like, you know, people look for. For their part they look for their yes psycho- and, yeah. yes i took a psychology class i don't know if you did but I and I, for- did. I don't remember i don't remember what doctor says it god i don't fucking remember it was so long ago but anyway i took a college course a long time ago <laughs> but i don't want to say how long ago but anyway um that's what they say they say that when you look for a partner mm-hmm. so like if you're a girl you're going to be attracted to a man that reminds you of your father disgusting it is disgusting. I mean, I will never want to be with anybody else like that. <laughs> Either one of them or all of them. <laughs> all ten of them. <laughs> so we have a bio dad and then we have a stepdad. Yes. And so um, that's why, what she means when she says that. <laughs> so anyways, yeah, and I agree. Like, I, I can't imagine going after somebody that... It's subconsciously, though. It's not like yeah. you're consciously thinking, oh my God, this guy reminds me of my dad. I want to... Fucking be with him. I want to fuck him. It's not like that. <laughs> but that's crazy. That it she is ended crazy, up right? That's what being... I said. It's so weird because it's like it's insane. Anyway, yeah. baffles me. Anyway, so um, <clears throat> after her father's death in 1991, she moves to New York City to start a new life. Mm. The scandals and shady dealings her father was affiliated with made it hard for her to live comfortably in the UK. Her name was now associated with disdain, shame, and embarrassment. It doesn't say what kind of embarrassment. 
Well, her dad was had stolen five hundred million dollars oh, okay. from pension funds, and then oh, okay. the butler goes and blows the whistle on him liking young girls. Okay. You know what I mean? So, like all that embarrassment. Because okay. prior to that, like prior to his death, they didn't know. Like nobody knew all that shit that was going on. They just like. Yeah, it was all under wraps. Yeah, it was all mm-hmm. under wraps. Once he died, all that shit came out. It's mm-hmm. like with anything else. Like, mm-hmm. everything eventually comes... Every, whatever's done in the dark eventually comes to light, right? Yes, please. Okay. So, anyway. So, her, now, her name was now associated with disdain, shame, and embarrassment. There were several lawsuits against her father's estate. So, once all those were paid out, her allowance went from an endless amount of money to a measly $100,000 a year. Oh, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> I can't live off of a hundred thousand dollars. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Who lives like that? Exactly. Peasants. Peasants live like that. <laughs> <laughs> Am I a peasant? No, I'm not. That's funny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I knew that would get you. <laughs> she was dating this wealthy Italian guy and that, that goes to shit and ends like pretty quick. Okay. She gets a job in real estate to keep up with her lifestyle she was so accustomed to. How do you think that made her feel? What? Like having to get a job and actually work. <laughs> oh, God. For the, I mean, like, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, because when you're that rich, like, you have to be, like, you uh, used to not working and used to, like, I mean, what is your work? Fucking meeting up for brunch and talking to fucking exactly. other rich people about the fucking shit you have to do for, I don't know, the day. Know. Get your nails done. Yeah. <laughs> fucking do stupid. I don't know. What the fuck do you do? Like, oh, I have to go home and supervise the servants. <laughs> like, I don't know. I have to do my own grocery shopping. Oh, what a tragedy. <laughs> Anyways, um, I just want to know how that made her, how that made her feel, you know? Probably like a piece of shit, like how the rest of us feel that have to do all our own shit. (laughs) I mean, I would, you know what? I would just love for somebody to drive me around and cook for me. Right? Yeah. And and be a maid. That's all I want. That's nothing, right? (laughs) Absolutely nothing. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, um, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say she refused to live life on a budget. So she was like on the prowl looking for a new host. Wow. Around the time her life is in shambles. <laughs> Off of $100,000 a year. <laughs> she meets and starts dating J.E. Mm. Jeffrey Epstein. Initially, they were a couple. She even tells a friend she's madly in love with him. Uh, disgusting. But it doesn't, but it doesn't last very long. People start to wonder, though, because they're still, like, always together. So, J.E., Tells everyone they're just best friends, but Ghislaine tells a different story and says they're still sleeping together every now and then. Yeah, typical, typical fucking, typical man (laughs) fucking trying to fucking have his fucking dip his damn dick stick and something and then have it wailing out on somebody else except this fucking perv is dipping it on kids, young girls, yeah, little kids, yeah, Yeah, little kids, fucking dirty ass. Mm -hmm. Anyways, <laughs> no, not to say anyways, what you're yeah. saying. So, um, so aside from that, 
the relationship is a little different because she sort of like takes over and is kind of like his personal assistant. It's weird. Like, well, I mean, yeah, that falls right in because she doesn't have to work. Yeah, exactly. And then she still reaps the benefits of having this rich lifestyle. For sure. She sets up appointments with all, with all these prominent people, arranges his travel, organizes and manages his, his home, and supervises his staff. And the girls. And the... Yeah, we'll get into that later, though. We're not going to okay. talk about that right now. <laughs> we will get into that later. Um, okay. She's not dumb. She knows exactly what she's doing, right? Mm-hmm. J.E. lives the kind of lifestyle she's used to, and they have, like, this kind of weird, unspoken, quid pro quo thing going on with each other. Mm. J.E. also wasn't dumb. He knows she's extremely well-connected, right? Because she course. grew up. For sure. She grew up, like, in the U.K. Mm-hmm. So, is the U.K. in London? Is London in the U.K.? Anyway, she grew up way over there where they talk really proper, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. They talk really proper. I love so their accent. her networking skills alone exactly. is just going to be super beneficial for him. Yes, exactly. Yes, absolutely. Because she grew up. She grew up fucking rich. She was born rich, and I mean, that bitch is still... I mean, I don't know. I'm assuming she's still rich. Mm -hmm. We'll get into that later, too, though. But anyway. (coughs) Excuse me. So he's not dumb, either. He knows she's extremely well-connected, which means she can introduce him to some of the most high-profile people on this planet, right? She knows and understands the ins and outs of this refined and glamorous world that J.E. so desperately seeks validation from. Mm. See, even though he has a shit ton of money now, he's still like what they like to call new money, right? Mm-hmm. Meaning, he doesn't know how to act. He acts fucking brand new, right? Oh, man. You can take the boy out of Brooklyn, but you can't take Brooklyn out of the boy. That's my saying about him. <laughs> mm-hmm. So he's from Brooklyn. So, yeah. Remember I told you that in the beginning? Oh, yeah. Sorry. Anyway. Yep, he is from Brooklyn. He's from Brooklyn. And you can't take it out of him. Get what I mean? He doesn't have class, taste, or sophistication the way Ghislaine does. He's essentially an outsider and was looking for a way in, and she's his golden ticket. Mm, the golden nugget. The golden nuggish. Mm-hmm. In spite of her father's scandal, she has reemerged herself with Epstein, who is also her golden ticket. Do you want another wine? There's a, it's in the fridge. Yeah. On the door. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. I'm just going to go ahead. <clears throat> Can you get me another one too, please? Thank you. It's alright. <laughs> His wealth has allowed her back into that aristocratic circle. So see what I mean when they say when I say that they have like this unspoken quid pro quo thing going yeah. on with each other? So, like, it's you scratch my back, I scratch yours. Pretty much, basically. But it's yeah. unspoken. Yes, it's the unspoken and they, rule. And they benefit very well. Oh, with yeah. Other, yes. Definitely. Yeah. I wish you could see her. Oh, my God. If if our listeners, please Google Ghislaine Maxwell. And her name is spelled so freaking weird. It's not like, I don't know. Anyways, it's spelled G-H-I-S, as in Sam, because I have a lisp with these goddamn braces. I have one anyways, but. It's worse with the braces. So it's G-H-I-S, as in Sam, L-A-I-N. E. No. It's, it's, 
That's how it pops up. Oh, really? Is it an E? Yeah. Oh, I didn't put an E, but maybe. So anyways, I'm pretty sure it is. Yeah. Yep. Maxwell's M as in Mary, A-X-W-E-L-L. So Google her and you'll fucking see her. You'll see a lot of pictures of her with J-E. She looks like olive oil. She kind of does, right? Like a classy, well-dressed olive oil. Yeah. From Popeye. Yeah. She kind of looks manly. Kind of, yeah. And she looks like she could have two backs. No <laughs> titties, no ass. Carpenter's dream. Flat <laughs> as a boy, easy to nail. nail. <laughs> <laughs> um, so as soon as they, they establish their roles in each other's lives, Ghislaine starts working on his social status. She convinces him to donate a $10,000 check to remodel the White House. He does, and in September of 93, they're invited to D.C. to tour the newly remodeled White House. I feel like I have to mention this here because it pissed me the fuck off. Like, so they go to tour the White House, right? Mm -hmm. And then you would think that since he fucking went and gave them, he basically gave them $10,000 to remodel the White House. Those are pennies. I know, I know it is, but I mean, that's a lot of money to like peasants I mean, to us. Yeah, peasants like us, but, but anyway, he they go and they just give him dessert. Like, they tour and then they get a dessert. Like, they don't fucking get fed dinner. Oh, no. It's just dessert. That's all $10,000 is going to get you. What? <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Like, I'm sorry. I can like freaking remodel my whole house. Seriously. You, if I give somebody $10,000, you at least owe me a fucking dinner. What the fuck? And I'm a fat ass, so I expect dinner. For sure. Especially if I give you fucking money. Even if I, even if I gave you, like, five fucking dollars. <laughs> you should fucking owe I me a mean, dinner. <laughs> I just paid $6.42 and I got shit, so yeah. <laughs> Who did you pay $6 on? That stupid piece of shit. Oh, yes. Oh, my God. My bad date. <laughs> Muhead had a bad day. Freaking awful. Anyways, that proceed. motherfucker. I know. <laughs> anyway, I'm just trying to make it about me. <laughs> <laughs> so it just really pisses me off that they didn't have dinner. They just got fucking dessert. Mm. That was out of all this. That's what pissed me off. <laughs> that's what pissed me off too, and I'm here fuming. Dessert. <laughs> Slap that fucking plate out of their fucking hands. I'd be like, what the? Where's the dinner? Is there a dinner? I thought that was a dinner. For real. It's like, where's the main course at? <laughs> Is this like a teaser? Uh, snack it Anyway. So, so this opens up a whole new set of doors for J.E. They start hanging out with Donald Trump. <laughs> Uh, she introduces him to Andrew, the Duke of York. Mm. He is the prince. Well, so he is the son of Queen Elizabeth II. So Prince Charles, Princess Diana's husband, is his brother. Mm. Those motherfuckers, those, those bastard mm-hmm. kids. I'm, I'm sorry. I don't want to get sued by the royal family. I know. We don't want to get sued. We don't have any money. Yeah, we don't have any money. But anyway. So. <laughs> but we call all kids LB. Yes, we AKA call. little bastards. Yes, we call all kids bastards. <laughs> and they're grown bastards now. So yeah. anyways, Prince Harry and Prince um, William are his nephews. Mm. Yeah. So she introduces him to this cat. Okay. 
I mean, the list goes on and on. J.E.'s on the fast track up the aristocratic ladder. Ghislaine has definitely proved herself as far as showing Epstein how down she is for him. She is down with the brown. Well, he's not brown, but you know what I mean. <laughs> she, oh, she's down with that brown eye. <laughs> yeah, she's down with that I mean, she is down with the brown. <laughs> Mm-hmm. It'll soon come into question just how much of a ride or die she is. And you know how we hate them ride or die bitches, Mohead. We <laughs> hate them bitches. <laughs> I was waiting for you to say that. <laughs> anyway. Um, so now that we've pieced together the first part of J.E.'s wealth and social status, we can now proceed on to bigger and better things. So, shut up back there. It's 1995. Epstein is at an art opening in Manhattan and meets Maria Farmer, who is 25 years old. And she and she's also an upcoming art student. J.E. buys one of her paintings and manages to somehow strike up a conversation with her. So he starts asking like a bunch of weird questions. For example, for example, he asks if she has a dad. And she responds with, that's an odd question. Of course I do, but my parents are divorced. He then asks her to give him some insight into her background. She proceeds to tell him she grew up extremely wealthy. And when she was 16, her dad left the family and her mom never pursued him for any financial assistance. Which left them struggling. Soon after, he offers her a job at his seven-story townhouse. And she accepts. She's responsible for screening everyone who walks into the townhouse. Like she just gets their name and, I don't know, signs them in or whatever. Puts them in the sitting room. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. I mean, the lobby, (laughs) a.k.a. sitting room if you're rich. (laughs) Well, if you're poor, you don't have a sitting room. You just have like a fucking living room, right? You just have a living room where everybody just looks at your face. (laughs) Your pissy ass face. Because you have to pay bills and do all your grocery shopping and... Have to work. You your, don't have to live. No, buddy. you don't have to live off of a hundred thousand dollars a year. You live off less. <laughs> you live off of twenty thousand dollars a year. <laughs> exactly. Oh my god. Anyway, um, so after some time, he asks if she would be interested in painting two original pieces for a new Jack Nicholson movie. But there's one stipulation. She would have to stay at his new Albany country home for the summer. This is J.E. asking. Yes. She agrees, packs up her belongings, and heads to New Albany in May of 1996. Pay attention. There's going to be a test. Where's New Albany at? Okay. I'm special. I'm fucking poor. I don't go anywhere. So it's about to go down. That's okay. the, that's where they build those mansions. Remember? Oh, yes, yes. Okay. Yes, I'm okay. like, were you listening? Yes, I, I was. <laughs> She's drunk already. <laughs> I was just testing you. <laughs> I was testing you to, you know, get clarification for our audience. <laughs> Anyways, um, she agrees, packs up her belongings, and heads to New Albany in May of 1996. So it's about to go down. Okay, so earlier I told you to remember the new Albany house, correct? Correct. Which one didn't? (laughs) This home is where one of the first recorded sexual assaults occurred. All those cameras. No, no, no. This is the new Albany home. Okay. The all the cameras and stuff. Is that his mansion? mansion, Seven story mansion in Manhattan. Okay. 
So it's where it's the home where one of the first recorded sexual assaults occurred. The home where now Martha Farmer is staying for the whole summer. I'll stop right here and pick up next week with Maria's story. I. So yep. What do you think so far? I think it's good. I think that was a good stopping point. Um, Maria. <clears throat> yes. She's 25, so she's of age. But she so does know. not look her age. Is that the one? No. So no, that's Virginia. Okay. okay. Yeah, that's Virginia. We'll get into that next week. So okay. next week, we're going to... I'm going to get into his um, victims. Okay. And then we'll get into how he... Um, how he was essentially caught. Okay. But um, the poor detectives, the poor um, police department that spent countless hours mm -hmm. um, and documenting everything that they found were basically mm -hmm. told to fuck off. Mm -hmm. Everything that they worked so hard to prove to give to the prosecutors was like mm -hmm. for nothing. <clears throat> so we'll get into that next week. Okay. Um, and then, and then after that, we'll get into, so the fourth episode will be, um, how, because when it happened the first time, <clears throat> no one ever, like, they reported on it, but it wasn't, like, a big deal, mm -hmm. I guess, you know? Mm -hmm. So, um, no one really paid attention until Julie K. Brown mm -hmm. writes that piece for the Miami Herald. Okay. And that's how, like, she's the she is ultimately the one that got the whole nation talking about it, mm -hmm. and got him apprehended again. Because if it wasn't for her, right, he would have just been living his life still. Okay, and I just want to add, <clears throat> shout mm -hmm. out to Julie K. Brown. Yes, thank you, Julie K. Brown. You're awesome. Um, so when he asked her, I couldn't help but. Have have that piece stand stand, stand out to out, me yeah. because when he asked her if she had a dad, I feel like he obviously him. he's a predator. Yes, and he was wanting to see if she had a good relationship, what her family history was like. Yes, because then he wanted to see if number one, like she was a risk taker, she would mm -hmm. go. Mm -hmm. Number two, if there would be anybody looking for her. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, I just think that he was sizing her up. He yeah. was, he wanted to see, and, and when you said that, that's what immediately stuck out of my mind. So I just want, want that was, to that, that was one of the things that stuck out of my mind too, because you have to remember like these people, they're not stupid. And when, when I say people, I mean people like Jeffrey Epstein, these yeah. predators, they're, they're predators. predators. They know who to go after, and we'll go. We'll get into that next week mm -hmm. with his victims because yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna. So I believe it's the um, the mysterious Jeffrey Epstein. Oh crap! I think we have our time is almost up. Okay, cool. Uh, five minutes, but you have to like you have to remember that the the girls he went after are like. Their, their backgrounds are, you know, they're well, not they're less unfortunate. They're less fortunate. Yes, know? they're less fortunate. And, and, you know, not everybody grows up in a normal, I, I don't want to say normal, but in like a, a safe and a safe environment, a right. safe and loving environment. Right. Not everybody grows up that way. So, you know, it's, it's sad because 
he just knew how to, he knew who to target. Absolutely. He just knew, you know, and the, these people, again, these predators, mm-hmm. they're like sharks uh-huh. who smell blood and water. But they it, know who to go after, like, and they right. zone in, like, they, you know. And I also want to add that, I mean, that skill of his, that was a good skill that he had because even though he didn't roll in the bet, he didn't <clears throat> come from the best of circles. Yeah. That's how he was able to come up yes. in his wealth because yeah. he he sought out these people. He's a, he was a natural predator. Yeah. Well, also, he knew exactly what to say because he grew up less fortunate exactly. as well. So he knew what to say. He knew how to make you feel comfortable mm-hmm. with, you know, it would be different mm-hmm. if he grew, you know, if he was like Ghislaine and was born into, you know, wealth. He right. wasn't. So he right. knew. I'm sure... I'm sure Ghislaine taught him how to speak properly, uh-huh. but he also knew he also knew how to work off of people's emotions, probably. Yeah, that. Or, but he also knew how to talk to people who weren't who didn't grow up that way, right. who didn't know how to speak, who do, who don't know how to speak properly. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, it's like if you it's like if you put somebody that's from the hood or the barrio, you put them right. in a wealthy setting. They don't, they're not going to speak the way that these wealthy people speak. Right. And that's, he had the best of both worlds. He knew, mm-hmm. he knew how to finesse the wealthy and he knew how to finesse the less fortunate. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's it. Wow. Great. So till next time, till next, next week. Time. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. <laughs> um, have a good night. Happy New Year. Yes, Happy New Year. Stay we will, safe out there. Our next um, podcast will be in 2020. Yes, Queen. Yes. So we're. I think we're going to be doing this every Friday, right? Yeah. Yeah, every try Friday. Try it every Friday. Try to. Yeah. We'll try to. Yeah. So mm-hmm. if not, we'll let you guys know. Yep. See you next week. Bye. Bye.